The Extremis Publishing Podcast is endorsed by Heart 200, Scotland's most exciting road trip. Find out more at heart200.scot. Welcome to the Extremis Publishing Podcast. My name is Dr. Colin Barron, and today I'll be speaking with Dr. Tom Christie, author of Contested Mindscapes, Exploring Approaches to Dementia in Modern Popular Culture. The book discusses the various ways in which the creative industries have dealt with dementia and issues relating to the condition in modes of popular culture, such as films and television, music, performance art, and interactive entertainment. To explain my own interest in this condition, I'm actually qualified in medicine, having graduated from Glasgow University in 1979. I was the joint owner of a private nursing home in Calendar, between 1985 and 1999. I am also the author of a book on running nursing homes. Both of my parents suffered from dementia, ended up in nursing homes and then subsequently died of the condition. And lastly, since 2011, I have been my wife's carer as my wife suffered a very severe stroke. So Tom, what was it about dementia that made you want to write about the condition? Well, Colin, it's been a very personal journey, uh, this book, because it's one that I've been planning for quite some time. There has been a rather unfair stigma surrounding issues of mental health in popular culture, and it's only really been in the last 20, perhaps 30 years or so, that uh, the creative industries have attempted to really address the issue in a more nuanced way than they have in the past. Uh, I think it's probably important at this point for me to point out that I'm not a doctor of medicine, uh, nor am I a research scientist. My PhD is in Scottish literature. Um, so really, I, it was never going to be a study of clinical realism uh, in terms of how dementia is depicted. It was always going to be a, a study of the ways in which popular culture discussed the, the condition, um, looked at characters who had been affected by it, and also characters who were close to them, such as carers and friends. So from that point of view, I, I saw there was enormous potential uh, for a study that would cross various different genre boundaries and would discuss the ways in which really public attitudes towards dementia have been challenged and are actually still changing now. Like many forms of mental health disorder, dementia has often been wrongly stigmatised, meaning that sometimes the subject has been mishandled or even ignored in public discourse. Do you think that's now beginning to change? Yes, I think it probably is, and, and not before time. 
Um, if you go back to the 1990s and you see sitcoms like Keeping Mum where um, dementia symptoms are, are very much used as a, almost like a kind of butt of jokes um, in terms of the fact that the central character in the sitcom um, is undergoing a number of, of changes in her life um, as a result of uh, dementia symptoms. Um, nowadays this would be seen as unacceptably insensitive and um, certainly there has been a change in attitude now whereby there are far more thought-provoking, nuanced and complex depictions of dementia. So I think there is very much now, um, certainly within many aspects of the creative industries, um, an acknowledgement that any depiction of dementia needs to be more carefully handled, it needs to be respectful, and above all else, people need to remember that these are individual human beings that are being discussed, not simply a collection of symptoms. And I think that's very laudable that uh, there has been that change in attitude, although I suspect there's still a long way to go. You start your book by talking about the way that dementia has been handled in TV and in cinema. Is it a topic that is being handled more candidly now by production companies? Yes, I think that's probably the case. Uh, I mean, what has interested me in particular is the way in which, certainly within the last 20 years, there has been an evolution in attitudes and also uh, much more of what I would believe to be a conscious decision on the part of producers and directors and screenwriters to consider dementia in terms of the complexity of the condition and the many questions that it raises. So really, one of the interesting things about it has been the fact that no longer do we look at dementia as simply being memory loss, for instance. Um, there is now much more of an emphasis on looking at other issues such as disorientation, um, dyspraxia, uh, many of the other symptoms that are associated with the condition are now being explored in a far more meaningful way. Um, you only need to look as far as some foreign cinema, such as Nicolas Bocrief's film Cortex, which discusses a police detective who's affected by dementia and obviously has had a long and illustrious career based on deduction and problem solving, who now finds that those skills have been affected by the onset of the condition. There are other films like Firefly Dreams, a Japanese film by John Williams, which discusses how people's personalities change with, relate, with relation to dementia and also how memory is affected um, in terms of uh, two central characters, one of whom is elderly, the other one uh, who's still in youth, and uh, how their friendship develops even in spite of the dementia diagnosis. So what do you think have been the main points about dementia that have been made by films and TV series in recent years? Well, interestingly, there has been quite a vigorous challenge towards cliché. Um, some TV series such as South Park, you know, the controversial American animation series, uh, have been taking quite an interesting and multifaceted approach to this because on one hand they present the clichés that have been so well worn in popular culture up until now and they then subvert them to incline people to think about them more seriously uh, and perhaps in a a more complex way and certainly that has been the case over here in the UK as well. Um, Mitchell and Webb, the comedy duo, um, had a very intriguing um, sketch about Sherlock Holmes and Dr Watson 
uh, in which Sherlock Holmes is diagnosed with dementia and has to cope with the impact that has on his deductive abilities. Uh, initially, it starts off as appearing to be quite openly mocking of the condition, and then almost immediately afterward, we realise that the opposite is true, that in actual fact, they're presenting uh, a very serious question about not only what the condition um, can do to have an impact on an individual person's life, but also what kind of impact that has on their friends and family. So certainly there has been much more of an emphasis on the need to think about these issues carefully, to treat them with greater respect, and also to make sure that there is a person-centred approach to the way in which they're handled. The music section of your book surprised me a bit, as I discovered that it ran the gamut of genres from New Age music tracks through to heavy metal. How is a subject like dementia being explored by these categories of music? Well, there's often an interesting approach within music, um, largely because of the fact that as a creative mode, it has a, an enormous potential for poetic exploration of things like emotion and sentiment. And dementia really is no different. Um, what has surprised me, as you mentioned, is the fact that it has occurred over such a wide variety of different musical genre. Um, you, for instance, might expect quite a detailed emotional response to dementia if, for instance, someone is writing in a sort of popular mode of, of musical uh, performance um, where they were more likely to discuss things like how they feel about a loved one um, coping with a condition. Um, but when you look at a, a heavy metal band like Whitechapel performing I Dementia, it's an interesting thing because there's a very arresting quality to that music. There's an anger at the onset of the condition, at the unfairness of the, the randomness of it. Um, but also there's a sense of contemplation regarding it as they question what kind of implication that dementia will have both for the person who's been diagnosed with it and for them themselves. Why do you think modern recording artists feel more empowered to write and perform songs about dementia in comparison to years past? Well, there's definitely, unquestionably I would say, a sense that the topic is much more open for discussion now than it has been in, uh, in decades past. And one of the reasons for that, I think, is because there is a broader opportunity now to discuss topics that have previously been stigmatised, mental illness being, being one of them. So I think people are more open about their own experiences. Um, they talk in great detail um, and also in their, their, their musical writing about the, the onset of the condition, the symptoms and how they affect people who have been diagnosed with dementia, but they're also much more inclined to be open about the very complex mix of emotions that can face somebody who's discovered that a loved one now, now has the onset of dementia and um, to discuss the kind of impact that will have uh, on their future. So I think, yes, it's, it's a laudable thing, uh, very creditable actually on the part of many recording artists that they're able to speak so frankly about such a, a, a subject that they often find difficult to talk about. Performance art is often noted for its expressiveness. And another of the sections of your book is about how different forms of dramatic performance have approached dementia. How has the condition been portrayed by these presentations? 
I think the short answer is in a very interesting way because dementia has so many different aspects to be explored and discussed that it kind of lends itself quite well towards dramatic presentations, particularly those which don't necessarily have a linear structure. Um, some people have often talked about the postmodern faculty of dementia um, as presenting facts and scenes and emotions in a way which is often rather fractured and fragmented. And these are things that have come out in various different ways uh, through a number of different performance arts uh, nodes. Certainly one of them I've discussed is um, Ian Kershaw's audio play Lost and Found, which is a tremendously moving play largely because of the way that it toys with the expectation of the listener. Um, how it does this, of course, is to present characters in a way that makes us think that we understand the situation they're in, and then turns it on its head so that we're forced, um, whether we're comfortable with the idea or not, to realise that the characters and their situation were actually quite different from what we imagined. And this has been the same really through a variety of different stage performances. Uh, the Bargee's Wife, uh, an opera by John O'Hara and uh, Karen Hayes, very, very interesting in the way that it uses a non-linear structure to present fragmentary evidence of a particular situation um, which is being viewed through uh, the, the prism of dementia um, because it leaves the audience with their own conclusions as to what happened and how those particular events can be interpreted. So yes, I think it's probably fair to say that because there is such a wide variety of different approaches to performance art, there equally have been as many different ways to explore dementia and the ramifications of the condition. Contested Mindscapes discusses some unusual approaches to the subject of dementia, including puppet dramas, musical theatre, and modern dance. Do you feel that these types of performance are helping to gain greater acceptance towards dementia? I would say that any form of performance that inclines people to engage more fully with the subject, and it is a difficult subject for many people, it has to be a worthwhile endeavour. And certainly, yes, I mean, it's very interesting the, the combination of different approaches that are used. Um, you mentioned puppet theatre and the sunglass theatre in America have done incredible work in terms of um, how they have combined puppet theatre with the recollections of real-life people who are fighting dementia um, to produce really quite arresting work. Um, similarly, you have musical theatre like Patrick Jones's play Before I Leave, where you have a real sense of feel-good achievement along the way of films like Brassed Off, where you have a rural community banding together um, to save a choir. Um, the difference in this case from other similar narratives being that the choir um, is actually set up as a dementia-friendly community choir where people receive um, additional support that they need and also have the ability to talk to other people who are really going through the same difficulties. So yes, I, I think there is a, a number of different ways in which performance art has brought these uh, issues into the popular mindset because it's engaging, um, very well written and in many cases are presenting a condition that a lot of people find perhaps frightening or 
otherwise difficult to uh, to discuss and um, unpacks it tends to discuss it in a more frank way than perhaps we've been used to in years past. Perhaps the least expected part of your book is the section about how dementia has been presented through video games. How new a development would you say this is? Well, that's an interesting question actually because as the central theme of video games, dementia would appear really to be a relatively new topic for discussion. But in actuality, the development goes back as far as the 1980s and early 90s. Um, companies like CRL Software, for instance, uh, developed a really groundbreaking um, program called ID, which was written by Mel Croucher. And it went into a great deal of uh, exploration in terms of how the human mind works, um, how people formulate concepts, and various other topics which really for the time on the home computers of the day um, was, was nothing short of amazing. And that continued really in terms of uh, depictions of dementia symptoms into the 1990s with games like uh, Weird Dreams, a very uh, famous Rainbird software game for the Commodore Amiga and Atari ST. So really there have been attempts in the past to realise if not necessarily explicitly, the symptoms of dementia in an interactive entertainment framework. It's only really just been, though, in the last 10 years that the topic has come really sharply into the public eye in terms of video games. The pace of computer technology has always been brisk. In what ways, Tom, do you think new equipment such as virtual reality headsets have the potential to aid in audience understanding of dementia? and its symptoms. It's very interesting you should mention uh, virtual reality because in the eyes of many people it's going to play a very important part in how these topics are addressed in the years to come. Uh, many, many different games which have discussed dementia or explored different aspects of its symptoms have been first-person perspective adventure games or mystery games. I think when I say this of games like Ether One, which was developed by White Paper Games, or possibly uh, the Dementia Gaming app, which was developed by A-Gaming Plus in the Ukraine. Um, these games have been noted for their realism and for the way in which they take a degree of unfamiliarity and incorporate it in terms of a framework that would be more obvious to people in an everyday setting. And they, they're able to clash the familiar with the unfamiliar to very... Uh, good effect. And we see a similar thing um, with Sea Hero Quest, a gaming app which is used to gather information regarding dementia and um, that's relayed back to various research scientists who are using that information to compile uh, a database um, of statistics which show how people react to specific dementia phenomenon. In this case particularly orientation and map reading skills and navigation. Um, now, the reason I mention this particular app is because there is now a dedicated virtual reality version of it, and that has helped immeasurably in creating a, a richer data set because ways in which people tilt their head and um, orient themselves as they are going through navigational and directional 
tasks uh, are all recorded and have helped to compile many, many hours of data um, with, with real-life benefits for the, uh, the research scientists and urologists who are looking into the condition. And finally, having completed your book, do you think that there is more to be said about the subject of dementia in popular culture? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's no question in my mind that that is the case. Uh, I mean, this book really just scratches the surface of a much, much larger discussion that needs to be had about the importance of dementia in popular culture, not just where it has succeeded, but also where it's going and how best it might support people. Um, some years ago, I used to work at the local level for the Alzheimer's Society, and one thing that was always obvious to me was that people needed to know that they weren't alone with their condition, that other people were going through the same difficulties. Seeing those difficulties explored in popular culture is a very important way of signalling to people that they aren't on their own in coping with the symptoms of dementia. It may be life-changing, it may be frightening, but there are other people there who are going through the same thing. And I think anything that can bring that degree of comfort to people, that can in some way bring the issues of dementia into the public eye and cause people to be more frank about discussing the, the condition um, surely has to be a good thing. So yes, absolutely, there is more work to be done, no question about it. Well, thank you, Tom, for talking with me about your book. Contested Mindscapes is published by Extremis Publishing and is available to buy from all good online retailers and independent booksellers across the world. Thanks for joining us today and please tune in again soon. If you would like to find out more about advertising on the Extremist Publishing Podcast, please visit their website at www.extremistpublishing.com for details.